Let's do this, Blaine and Mickey, on a Monday. What's going on out there? A little bit of rain today wherever you are. I don't care where you are. You could probably use this rain, so that's a good thing. You probably could use watching the Titans' defense just go and kick the crap out of somebody, and that's essentially what they did on Friday night. And it's funny because Blaine will be joining us here in just a minute. It's funny when you watch a preseason game because people approach things differently. And Lucas, like some people, no matter what happens, they're excited about it. Anything that happens, they're like, this is the, this team's going to the Super Bowl. That six-string running back just scored. That guy's the best. We're going to the Super Bowl. And other people kind of fall somewhere in between. And most people just kind of take it where it is. But the interesting thing to me about preseason football is when you're watching, in this case, a lot of twos and threes, because neither team really stuck a bunch of starters out there. All you can do is beat the guy that's in front of you. It's like, people complaining about a team's schedule in the NFL or or whatever, or a stretch of games like in Major League Baseball, my Cardinals are beating bad teams right now. Well, they're beating the people who are in front of them, and that's all they can do. Now they're about to get a bunch of games with Milwaukee, I guess, so we'll see how well they really are playing right now. But all you can do is beat the guy who's in front of you, and on Friday night, pretty much every cat that played defense for the Titans went out and beat the guy who was in front of him, and I like that. That's all you can ask for. But people overreacting one way or another, you point to the undefeated Patriots team that went 16-0. and Were they not 0-4 in preseason? <laughs> the winless Browns team that went 0-16. I believe they were 4-0 and in preseason. So any reactions one way or another, all you got to do is point to those two teams from those two seasons. But you couldn't ask for much more. Backups beating backups. That's what you had on Friday. Just watching this defense push anybody around. Watching them get off the field was fantastic. Again, not a lot of starters played. What was the uh, stat? They allowed 139 yards and six first downs against the Falcons. 139 yards and six first downs. Again, I'll take it for what it is. It's backups going against backups. So you could say, okay, well, the Titans backups, they went out and they dominated the other team's backups. And what's really interesting is Mike Vrabel had mentioned a couple of guys that he was most interested in seeing before the game. And really both those guys played pretty well. Monty Rice and, and um, Rashad Weaver, both of those guys played a ton in the game. Well, they you said how many yards that they allowed on the night? 139 yards. 117 of those were on the ground. Well, and what it, it seemed like 100 of those were Felipe Frank's three or four <laughs> runs in a what did he run for, like, 70 yards or He's something? 76 yards. Wow. Uh, that, okay. That really... So, him <laughs> running was 76 of 139 yards. <laughs> so, think about that. To everybody else, I'm not good at math, but what's 139 minus 76? I mean, that that doesn't leave a lot to divide up for everybody else to gain in the game. 63. I was <laughs> going to say, I think you're furiously mathing in <laughs> That's there what right I was now. Doing. But anyway, it, it was fun to watch. I take it all with a grain of salt. We want to hear from you today, Titans fans. Uh, what did you like about what did, that you saw? What did you not like about what you saw? The Titans have a legitimate deal they got to figure out with backup quarterbacks. So did you like either one of those guys? And Blaine had sent me a message earlier, and he said, let's get into this today. Do Titans fans feel better? Do they feel the same? Or, and I thought this was an interesting way to look at how do they feel when looking at other teams' backup quarterback situations? Because most of the time you just look at yours, you know, okay, look in your own room. But there are always a couple teams. Well, think about this. A couple years ago, the Titans trotted out Marcus Mariota, who was still viewed as a starter in this league, and Ryan Tannehill, 
And so all those lists about who you're back, you know, who had the best quarterback room, best backup quarterback, anybody with half a brain was going to pick the Titans that year. And I remember us at that time doing 3HL and just laughing and saying, think about who the backup quarterback is for this team. It's Ryan Tannehill who started, what, 88 games or something like that. Just an embarrassment of riches. Well, of course, by week six, he was in the starting lineup and he was starting the rest of the way and playing at a Pro Bowl caliber. And unless you're one of these teams with a first-round quarterback as a backup, because several teams are in that spot right now. Trey Lance, a backup. Mac Jones is a backup. Trevor Lawrence probably is not a backup. But unless you're one of those teams and you're not the Bears with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, another first-round quarterback, you're probably in this pretty similar spot. The only outlier I could think of that I saw from preseason week one, well, the Steelers, who have like a million quarterbacks on their roster, and the Carolina Panthers, P.J. Walker played really, really well in that game as Sam Darnold did not play a snap against the Colts. P.J. Walker was impressive. An athletic player who's been in this league before, the great quarterback of, I think it was the Houston Roughnecks yeah, that the XFL team. With the rip-off Oiler uniforms. P.J. Walker impressed a lot of people over the weekend. But other than that, you don't have many best-case scenarios as far as backup quarterback in this league. So people kind of forget that, I think, when you see Logan Woodside battling off every challenger that comes his way. Matt Barkley's been a backup in this league for years. So if Logan Woodside's able to beat out Matt Barkley for this job, I think you got to get to a point where you're, you're feeling pretty confident in your backup quarterback. If Logan Woodside beats out Matt Barkley, which I feel like there's a great chance that he will, although they both, I mean, we didn't see any of Ryan Tannehill. We saw a lot of both of them. We'll see a whole lot of both of them, I would imagine, in all three preseason games. I mean, we were talking about this off air the other day, and I told Blaine, I don't think that guy's going anywhere. Even if even if they keep Woodside as the COVID quarterback, the number three guy, I mean, he. Let's say somebody becomes available and they think this guy's skill set's too good, we have to get him. You could keep Logan Woodside as your number three, and he knows your system. So, I mean, obviously he's not going to get any reps in practice because once the season started, it just doesn't work that way. The backup, the third guy, never he just get, is given to look for the scout team, but he would know your system if he ever had to play or. If your first-string guy got hurt, you would know that Woodside would then move into the number two role behind whoever you had as the number two. He would move into the number two role, and he would step in knowing the system, and he would start getting the backup reps in practice. So just him being around here and learning that system, there is so much value in that. Now, did he play pretty well the other night? He played okay, had a touchdown pass. Gave up a couple of – well, a couple times he got sacked, guys coming up the middle – on third down, but now it was a patchwork offensive line in front of him. It was backups getting beat by the Falcons backups, and Mike Vrabel even brought up after the game that Dean Pease was blitzing the expletive out of of Logan Woodside. So he got blitzed, but he got some good looks, and he got good work. But um, what the Titans and all teams face is when they turn the bottom of the roster, guys are going to get cut when we go to 53, and you're going to have to make a decision then is Colt McCoy or some of these other guys. Oh, gosh, Gardner Minshew. He got outplayed by C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard played real well and has started games in the league. He's in Jacksonville now. Blaine, I lost C.J. Beathard completely. He shows up in Jacksonville. He's like 11 of 13 in the game. That dude could be available when there's 53 men cut. He's played a lot of football. Mm, hometown guy. Hometown guy. Gardner Minshew could be available. So you're always churning the bottom end of the roster anyway. I'll be real interested to see what the rest of the of the I almost said spring, but it's fall. What the rest of the fall looks like with this backup quarterback competition. And Blaine is our director of content online. 
So you still, <laughs> let's put out let's put out a couple of polls here. Now that you've seen Logan Woodside and Matt Barkley, how are you feeling about the backup quarterback situation for the Titans? Ten percent feel great. Ten percent feel great. Great. I'm good. Great with those guys. Not just good. Great. Thirty eight and point six percent feeling okay. Twenty nine and a half percent still not sure. Twenty two point seven percent time to add another QB. Do you feel in any way, Blaine, like, yep, got to add another quarterback now? Or are you still – because I, I would say, I feel okay. Let's just keep evaluating this where I am. I feel okay right now. Based on who else is available out there, I feel fine about these two guys. <laughs> but once a bunch of other guys get cut, which is going to happen, then maybe I reevaluate how I feel. Or if we watch them play another preseason game and then another – and nobody really steps up or nobody does anything that you think, okay, yeah, this guy's 100% the number two. But as of right now, I feel like I'm okay, but I really need to see more. Well, well, first and foremost, sorry that I'm late, but we can never have two wrecks on 65 uh, when I leave at 1215. That just can't happen. Uh, Lucas, you got to take care of that, man. That's another duty that we must give you uh, to make sure that never happens. Now, on the quarterback, backup quarterback situation, uh, I'm content where we're at now, whether that's Woodside, Barkley, whoever becomes the backer, who's ever the third. Uh, but I, I think you're always looking for someone that's better. It's just it's hard at the quarterback position because they must learn your system first uh, and, and all the, you know, checks and everything else. It's just much harder mentally from the quarterback position. So you want to kind of have that finished in a preseason. That way they at least, you know, played in some games. You got to see them how they run your offense and everything else. So, yeah, I'm cool with it. Am I jumping up and down doing cartwheels? No. No, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm just excited to see Woodside, uh, you know, go out there and play and do halfway decent uh, with the backup line, you know, which half the time, uh, even though they were blitzing a lot, he was running for his life. Offensively, the you know, team did okay. I, I would give it a, a passing grade. Defensively, they they attacked. And they did exactly what we've been seeing in practice, yep. what they've been saying about them in practice, and it correlated in the game. I don't care who they were going against. Uh, people are always, oh, that wasn't against when you're not Weaver or whoever else they're talking about who had a really good game. Well, guess what? They're in the NFL, and the backups are guys who are out there trying to prove something because they want to be the starters or they want to make sure that they make the roster because you're always trying to bring somebody else in to beat the backup. You know, so – Hey, I, I thought that even I thought Tier Tart was did really well. He caused havoc in the in the backfield and have a lot of stats. Uh, uh, the the kid that got hurt, uh, Cooley or uh, uh, Coley, uh, he he Trayvon Coley played. Coley, good yeah, game. he did, he did, he did fantabulous. Uh, and he hurt his foot, so I, I don't know about that one uh, there. So you know, there's a lot of guys. Uh, you know, you talked about the the receiver from Barry College. He did really well. Uh, Chester Rogers, uh, you know, so, you know, it is just a preseason game, but I know everybody says when the lights turns on, that's when you re really counts. Well, it really counts also day to day because they're getting to know you and your habits and what you do as a professional. And can you grow into a professional sooner than later? Are you studying at night all the way till you go to bed? This is focus time. This, you, you know, you only have three weeks of your life to have an opportunity to play in the national football league. Yeah. Are you going to give it everything you got? And when I say that, I'm talking about everything, and that's the little things, the little details, what gets you revving up and ready for practice. Are you, and when I say that, I mean, are you getting in the hot tub? Are you doing the cold tub after practice? Are you studying your plays? Are you watching film? Are you critiquing yourself harder than anybody else? 
and not just let your coach critique you. You know your ability. So are you doing all those things to make yourself a better player? And that's all you can control. That's, you know, that's why I always talk about be the best version of you because that's all you can do. Yep. And if that's not good enough, it wasn't meant to be, period. Uh, I can't try to be, you know, uh, <laughs> Troy Palamala when I don't run a 4-3. It's just not going to happen. But what, what I can do is be the best I can be. And that's all I can live with. And I can live with that. And if I got cut, you know what? So be it. Yeah. It wasn't meant to be. So you wonder if some of the guys are learning how to be a pro at this point in time. You know, not seeing uh, Fitzpatrick Dez out there at receiver into the second half. Uh, just because he was a draft pick, I don't want my draft picks to feel like they're comfortable enough to say I'm still going to make the roster. I'd send a huge message out. If he's not getting it done, uh, Rodgers, uh, Marcus Johnson, those guys will be on my team. Sorry. Hey, mistake you on all the time. Guess what? Somebody else may pick you up or we can put you back on the practice squad. You, you must get better each and every day. Everybody else is. Why aren't you? Or have you maxed out? Or are you doing all those, those little things to get better? All of a sudden in minicamp and OTAs, he was doing okay. And then all of a sudden now training camp started. It's kind of starting to be a gap. Yeah. Well, you're, you're going down the wrong way. Yeah. So that would be concerning. Uh, and uh, you got to have some cojones. And I know you invested some money in it, but to say that somebody's automatically going to make the roster just because of draft pick, I'm not with it. Sorry if you made a mistake in the fourth round, as we just talked about in 1998, Brad Ware, safety from Auburn, yep. was released. Fourth round. Yeah, he didn't have it. Yeah. He just didn't have it. And he have all those other things either. It wasn't just talent. We all know there's a lot of talented players that are not even in the National Football League. A lot of dudes that were better than me just on talent. But they didn't understand the mental capacity of what it needs to take to play in this game, to study, to work. Uh, so, you know, some guys don't get it till it's too late. Some guys get it a little bit later than others. There's a maturation process. You just don't want to be the guy that it takes longer than others, especially when you're competing against other guys who were the same year as you, came out with you, and now they're passing you up. And didn't come in with the pedigree and didn't go as high in the draft. Right. Or draft at all. Yeah. That's alarming. Yeah. Sorry. And then the head coach says he needs to get better, and it starts at practice. Yeah. Well, Uh-oh, that is not good. If your butt don't get lit right now, then guess what? You may not be our guy because every day would be a game day for me. Every day after, after that preseason and the coach said that, there's no way. He's going to be mad that I, don't, I went so hard. The DBs are going to be mad at me. It is, there's no way around it. So you get to see if he has the, the passion uh, and the resilience uh, uh, to be critiqued and criticized in the National Football League. See what he does. See how he responds. I was out there yesterday. He dropped three in a row on air. And I saw those, and that just is sickening me because I just like, you, you always want to cheer for that guy. Yep. You, to do, okay, get better today then. All right, things don't always go your way in a game, but get better. Three in a row on air. Right in front of the general manager too, right? Right. So he's not dealing with the pressure. That's what it tells me. Not knowing the kid at all. Three in a row? Yeah. On air? Yes. Dropped one going one way, dropped one coming back, and it's like, grab another rep. He dropped that one, too. So what it tells me is it's gotten in his head. Yeah. Uh-oh. Now, now you're messing with the psyche of the athlete, and you never know what direction that may go. You just don't know. That's scary stuff. 
Well, we'll get into all this and more today. We want to hear from you. You can tweet at us at Blaine and Mickey. People sounding in on the chat. Uh, Robert talking about the quarterback says uh, he knows the system. It's that simple. I'm sure he's talking about Logan Woodside. Lonzo's already thrown his ding-dong out there for ding-dong of the week. But when we come back. He threw it out there? It's right out there on the chat. Well, you can do that. You can see it. When we come back, we'll see Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. He's going to join us. We always have questions, and he always has answers. He's got an interesting theory on backup quarterbacks that I can't wait to ask him about. You will want to hear that. It's next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Thanks for hanging out with us today and every day. We appreciate it. We're always on 1 to 3. We're right here, just like two people you can just hound on. Seeing your old friends every day. You just come and hang out with us for a couple hours. You can hang out with Uncle Buck before us. And you got J. Martin Ramon in the morning. You got the 3HL crew. They're having all kinds of fun after us. You just put it on the zone and don't ever go anywhere. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Set to jump in the mix with us now. Eric, um, let's just start with this one. This taunting penalty uh, thing where they're <laughs> emphasizing taunting penalties so a guy from the Colts carries the Panthers' entire defense seven yards, gets up and just kind of flexes his muscles, and he immediately gets a flag. Look, I know they got to emphasize things, but come on, man, that shouldn't be a flag in any universe. Yeah, I mean, like I think you guys know probably better than anybody. Football's a hard game, right? Like football's a hard game, and if you can't let it out a little bit, man. What are we all here for? I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. I don't like it. And um, I don't think anybody asked for it. That's the thing that I think is so sad about this is it's a solution in search of a problem. None of us care that these guys are, you know, flexing their muscles after plays. None of us cared when Chad Johnson, like, pulled out a jacket or Joe Horn pulled out a cell phone, T.O. pulled out the Sharpie. Like, no one cares. It feels like they should solve the real problems in the league. I agree. I mean, of of all the things, like you sit in a room full of people and there's COVID in the world just ravaging people and all the things that are going on, you're like, you know what? We need to cut down on enthusiasm. That's the thing we need to try to quell this year. Let's emphasize that. Like what genius stood up and then like others voted. Yeah, that's a great idea, Fred. That's what we should do. Yeah, it, it it's like I said, football's a hard game, right? Like, and, and this idea that you can't, especially for some of these guys. I mean, that the running back for the Colts. I mean, he's probably not going to make the team, right? This might be like one of the last times he gets to have fun on a football field. It's like, I don't know. Feel like taking that away from people is just kind of cruel. Yeah, Benny Lemay is the young man's name. God bless you, Benny Lemay. You got to be able to have some fun, man. This is your time to shine. Getting his time to shine, he joins us on Blaine and Mickey at PFF underscore Eric if you would like to follow him there, and you should. Well, Eric, I have to ask you this intriguing question, how PFF matches up with some of the players' top 100 thus far. The Titans, let's say, have three guys so far at 62 with A.J. Brown, 78 with Simmons, and 83 with Tannehill uh, as a ranking. Does that match up with what you guys would grade them out based off of their positions uh, I don't. I don't know if you even paid attention to that, but it was definitely intriguing just to see where some of the players, other players in the NFL, thought uh, you know other players should be ranked. Uh, I think AJ Brown's probably a little bit of a hot, a little higher. Um, right. I think he's a better player than that. I think he's also ascending. I think sometimes these lists do a bad job of 
you know, baking in the fact that, you know, like, like A.J. Brown, you know, he hasn't had the best numbers in the world. But when you watch games, you're like, yeah, that's because they don't throw it as much as other teams. But when he makes the plays, he's certainly, you know, one of the best in football. And, you know, just because, like, the Buffalo Bills throw the ball twice as much doesn't mean that Stephon Diggs is twice the player that A.J. Brown is. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I-, I think that he's probably the lower. Jeffrey Simmons is probably properly rated. I mean, last season, um, you know, he only has, in our metrics, five sacks first two years. Um, but, you know, 44 pressures plus a, a ton of stops. Um, he's a good football player on a defense that I don't think that many people pay attention to because overall they're not a great defense. So that's probably fine. I think Tannehill may be a little overrated, but I'll say this. He's played amazingly the last two years. The The question I think you really have to ask yourself is predictively, you know, once once you move on from, you know, Arthur Smith, Todd Downing comes in, you know, you had Ty Sembrello and company starting on the right side of the offensive line. You lose your tight end, uh, and you lose Corey Davis. Now I know you get Julio Jones back. But, like, if Tannehill does it again, I think, like, almost every single doubter will probably have to admit that they were wrong about Tannehill. I think that those that are suspending belief right now, I think, have a little bit of a point. Um, but that, but that's just a, a little bit of nitpicky. It's certainly not taking away from what Tannehill has done, which has played fantastic football over the last year and a half. Well, one player that wasn't, I'm going to just ask you about this one player, and that was James Robinson, the running back from the Jaguars, was number 100. Based off of all the other running backs, where would you rate him as far as a running back in the National Football League based off of his rookie season as an undrafted rookie? Yeah, he certainly was impressive last year. I think the the hard thing is, though, and why I would not have him in the top 100, mm. is when you look at, you know, running backs, and one of my interns found this out the last week or so, is like un, uh, undrafted or lowly drafted running backs just face uh, lighter boxes than highly rated running backs, so they can put up better numbers, and so people will maybe overreact to them. So, you know, when you're on a team that goes 1-15, and 15, like, you're not like teams aren't afraid of your run game, right? So then you're able to get more rush uh, than other players. Like Derrick Henry's like dealing with eight man boxes all the time and doing what he's doing. That's clearly more impressive than what James Robinson is doing. But then the same thing's true about like maybe lower running backs down the totem pole. And, you know, and, and Jacksonville, I think, instinctively knows this having drafted Travis Etienne in round one. Like, I think Robinson's going to be a good complimentary piece for them, but I don't know if he's a top 100 player in the NFL. I mean, you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of math here. You're talking about three, maybe four players a team. Like, is he even a top four player on his own team? I, and that's one of the worst teams in football. Like, I, I would bristle a little bit at that idea. Mm. Well, we're on with Eric Eager, PFF, uh, you know, naturally. And I want to ask you, I watched – you know, this game, you know, I know Mickey's going to ask you about some of the younger quarterbacks, but I, 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 I watched the Colts game, and I really actually uh, was, I don't know what my expectations were, but I, I thought the quarterbacks, both uh, quarterbacks, Eason as well as uh, Ellinger, uh, played halfway decent. I mean, what did you guys uh, grade them out as? Uh, yeah, that that was the, the quarterback play in that game. You look at the – uh, that game that the standalone on a Sunday and you're like, Oh my goodness, no, no starting quarterback for either team. Right. And not only was Philip Walker really good for the Carolina Panthers, Jacob Easton, we gave him a 94 grade. I mean, he averaged 8.7 yards of pass attempts. 
Um, he had two what are called big time plays. He had no turnover worthy plays. Um, they even had a drop there. Uh, so he was terrific, um, throwing for 183 yards on 21 attempts. And then Sam Ellinger came in, the guy, uh, rookie from Texas. He averaged over 10 yards of pass attempts. He had a really bad interception, which kept his grade down a little bit, like to 72.7. But yeah, both those QBs, I mean, if you're the Colts, and let's say you have to play a month without Carson Wentz, if you get that kind of quarterback play out of those two guys, you'd be pretty satisfied. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're on with Eric Eager, PFF. So, Eric, um, let's go through this because I teased it. I saw you tweet, you know, in the Titans world here, we're looking at the backup quarterbacks, Logan Woodside, and now they've added Matt Barkley, and Titans fans are trying to figure out if they think this is the best situation or who's going to get cut maybe later on down the line and who could they get a shot at then. And you tweeted about this. You've got a whole theory about backup quarterbacks and just everything about everything that goes into that, and you got into it a little bit on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, and, and Titans fans might not want to listen to this because they have got have had one of the better backup quarterback outcomes in recent memory with Ryan Tannehill. But even then, the Ryan Tannehill investment was a late-round draft pick and, you know, not a ton of money relative to, you know, what, what you could pay somebody like a Marcus Mariota who ended up going to Las Vegas and playing for the Raiders. But, like, ultimately, you know, you look at, like, the history of the league – and there are a lot of quarterbacks who were backups. You know, I remember the old the old Oilers franchise. It was Cody Carlson was the backup for years, right? And then, uh, and then you had McNair sitting for two years behind Chris Chandler, and you know, and and there were enough there were roster spots designated to that position, right? Like you used to be able to dress a guy only if he was a quarterback, and he could be the third quarterback. And in the 2011. CBA, they eliminated that position altogether, and a lot of teams, instead of having a third quarterback on the 53, would just dress like a gunner on punt team and stuff like that. And what you've seen is that you just don't have as many developmental guys, right? Like a decade ago, you saw Jake DeLone make a Super Bowl. You saw Rich Gannon make a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. Kurt Warner won a Super Bowl and made another, is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, every one of Brett Favre's backups, Ty Detmer, Matt Hasselbeck, uh, Mark Brunel, like you had all the uh, Aaron Brooks, J.T. O'Sullivan, you had all these guys who were, you know, had a roster spot and were camping out there and spent years on the same team learning how to play the game of football. And nowadays you have these third quarterbacks that are more transient because, because the league doesn't incentivize uh, teams, you know, sort of going that way. And then the last part of it, which is interesting, is that, drafting a quarterback early is no longer – it doesn't cost what it costs the Titans to draft Vince Young at three in 2006. Like, it's really inexpensive to draft a quarterback high. It's also really inexpensive, relatively speaking, to trade a ton of picks like San Francisco did. And so, like, teams are not even, like, sort of hedging their bets with, like, a guy like a Brad Johnson who's a ninth-round pick sat in the bench for four years before he even got in the field. Because if you fail at the quarterback position, the most efficient way to, to, to re- revive that is to tank and then draft a guy at second overall and pay him like $8 million a year because that's such an edge over paying even a guy like Tannehill what he's making. Man, uh, just breaking it all down. That being said, how do you see the Titans quarterback backup situation behind Tannehill? And let's, since Barkley is here now, there's a little bit of a sample size with him. Do you, do you like Roland with Logan Woodside, who they like his knowledge of the system? Do you like what you know about Matt Barkley? Because we all kind of know who he is. Or do you think they should wait till 
cuts happen on the 53 day and just comb for the best guy they can find at that point. Well, and, and this is exactly what we're talking about, right? Like Logan Woodside, I actually had to talk about Philip Walker too. Like we're really lucky over the last two springs, not including this one, that we got the AF and the XFL, right? Because we got to see some guys play at the professional level and, and see how good they were. We had that with Logan Woodside in the AAF. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing – and Barkley's exactly what you're saying. Like, he spent a couple years at Buffalo, but in, but but really hasn't been able to, you know, stick anywhere long-term and learn an offense for an extended period of time. So, I mean, look, if the Titans lose Tannehill to injury, there's no one in the league right now that could help the Titans win. Let's say they've lost him, you know, four straight for four straight games. Like, there's really not anybody that's going to help them go two and two unless two of those games are against Houston, right? So, like, they're – they're probably, um, you know, I think they should just roll with Logan Woodside, try to develop him, see if he can become like the next Matt Moore, the next Chad Henney. Um, and if he doesn't, obviously move on. But, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't mind what I've seen out of Woodside. I think he's been fine. And I think, you know, the only way to really develop that backup over time uh, is to uh, give him repetitions and to show some faith in him, um, having proper expectations, knowing that he's not a – He's not going to win you a ton of games if he if Tannehill gets hurt, but maybe he can keep you afloat for a game or two if that if it ends up coming down to that. Eric Eager keeping us afloat in this segment on Blaine and Mickey. <laughs> well, Eric, it's going to be a, a broad question. You can kind of go with it wherever way you want to go with. But I'm going to talk about the D line and the O line for the Titans. Kind of take us through what you saw from the D line. Seems like they were legit in coming after the quarterback. O line, not so much, but still. Probably had a lot of guys with passing grades. Not sure who was below the number of passing grades and who was above on both sides of the ball and what your uh, impressions are of all both of those groups. Yeah, I mean, you saw White Ray, uh, Rashad Weaver. They combined. Each guy had two sacks in our system. Uh, combined for 11 pressures. That's a, a very good outcome. Both guys pass rush grades in PFF system above 80. So you really like seeing that. Um, you got, you know, two pressures from a nose tackle and Anthony Rush. Uh, you know, guys that are sort of a little bit down the totem pole a little bit really did a good job against Atlanta. And, you know, Atlanta, you know, when when you look at the Falcons and sort of like what they're trying to do on offense, like it wasn't as though um, – I'm trying to look here and, and make sure. That, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as though they were starting players who have not played in the league before. I mean, Willie Beavers was a draft pick. Uh, Jalen Mayfield's also a draft pick. You know, like, they weren't playing scrubs. They weren't necessarily playing their starters, but they weren't playing scrubs. So the fact that the Titans were able to get a push on them uh, is very good. And on offense, you know, uh, Christian DeLauro, I mean, he, he had basically a clean sheet other than a, other than a penalty. Um, you know, otherwise, you sort of had, like, kind of average grades. Uh, Dylan Redunds, a 72 grade, which is pretty good in 50 snaps. So, yeah, I thought the line play graded out pretty well for, for Tennessee on, on Friday. As well as the D-line. And Weaver was all over the place. I mean, man, what was his grade? I mean, <laughs> it has to be in the 80s at least, right? Or no? Who's that? Richard Weaver, defensive end. Yes, uh, yes, that's absolutely. Let me let me go back and, and then look here. Yeah, I mean, he had an 83.1. I mean, five five total pressures, two sacks, three hurries. Um, you know, he had uh, what we call three stops on defense, which is basically a tackle on a run play that prevents uh, a, a solid game. So, yeah, absolutely. That that you know, and he played thirty nine snaps. He got a, a quite a bit of run against the run and the pass. Um, so you always love seeing that. 
No question about it. We're with Eric Eager uh, with PFF. And I want to ask you what your overall view of, and it's kind of encapsulated, you know, a lot of players. And we're talking about all the, you know, first-round uh, quarterbacks and Wilson, Lance, Fields, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, what, what did you see? What stood out? Looked like they were holding on to the ball. Some looked like they were getting the ball out. It's going to be competitive. Like they're going to be probably pushing the start. What is your overall view on all those guys? Well, there was no quarterback this week where I watched them play, and I was like, oh, my, this guy sucks. You know, like, <laughs> like the, the, first time, the first time I saw Blake Bortles try to throw an NFL pass, I was kind of like, oh, you know, like yeah, it just right. like hurt. It, look, it hurt just to watch it come out of his arm, you know, and you're like, ugh. And, you know, Lance, you know, I, Lance had a big play against the Chiefs. The Chiefs also have a good defense. Like, I don't think people realize this, but the Chiefs have a good depth. And so it was a good it was a good test for him. He was not great. He threw three turnover worthy plays. He fumbled in the pocket once. He had a bunch of balls dropped. Um, I would say he was like the least impressive of them. But even then, when you watch him, you're like, oh my goodness, that's an arm. And he didn't look rattled or anything. He just didn't have great outcomes. I think Fields was great. Um, obviously, not quite as good against the early defense of the of the Dolphins. A lot better against the second and third string guys as you'd expect. Um, Zach, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones were both good and, you know, they, they didn't light the world on fire, but like they also weren't exposed for being like, you know, unable to make certain throws and things like that. So that was cool. Um, and then, you know, Lawrence was kind of ho-hum. I think the best thing that the Jaguars are doing is like, we're all talking about Tim Tebow and how like he's a, an atrocity out there. And none of us are, <laughs> none of us are putting the magnifying glass on, on Trevor Lawrence and, that, I think, is the smartest thing that uh, Urban Meyer has done this entire offseason is that, like, we've somehow reduced the number one overall pick to a guy who, like, we always talk about the other guys. And that, I think, is great for as far as, like, a pressure on him standpoint. Um, and Jordan Love was good. I, other than getting hurt, I thought Jordan Love's out, out, out uh, you know, outing the other night for Green Bay was also good. So um, if you are a fan of offensive football and, and you watch the young quarterbacks in the league this weekend, uh, you – came out i think pretty impressed just real quick though comb through your notes what was tim tebow's grade for kicks we need to oh, know man i mean i don't he might have had a good uh, grade he 40, just had a one bad 42 block. grade 42 42 grade uh-oh so, so like if you go to pff.com and look at premium stats tim tebow's grade so i was talking about wyatt ray rashad reaver they are blues and greens that's good that you want to be blues and greens tebow was a yellow and and like a bright red. You don't want to be bright red, but Tim Tebow somehow managed to do stuff. In a, at a position where it's really hard, as somebody who played that position, the H and tight end in college, it's really hard to screw that that, that those blocks up, but he somehow figured out how to. Oh, man. Well, tell everybody where to go to, to sign up to subscribe. Yeah, so pff.com, we, uh, we're currently um, – we have an elite and edge subscription. Edge is for, like, fantasy – and a, a few gambling tools, and then Elite is for all the premium stats, including preseason stats, um, as well as some of those other leagues. So if you want to look at Logan Woodside's AAF grades, they're up there as well. Um, so, yeah, and, and all of that is uh, available at pff.com. Oh, Eric, thank you, man. Always great to catch up with you. At PFF underscore Eric. People can find you there on Twitter. We'll talk again soon. Appreciate it, Eric. Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Take care, guys. Yes, Bye. sir. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. When we come back, I'm going to ask Blaine about a guy who, uh, well, a guy that we all want to see and we never seem to quite see enough of. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.
Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Surprise visit from Coach Mack. Normally, he joins us on Tuesday. He's going to be flying tomorrow, so he just here he is in the studio. We haven't seen Coach Mack in the studio in forever. As always, he's brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. If you need great health care coverage at an affordable price, let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. Coach Mack, thanks for stopping by. Well, no, I mean, I was down in Columbia re- recording uh, with Doug Matthews and, and uh, Larry Stone, some of our uh, statewide coach-to-coach, and then Rhett called me and said he wanted to do – we had to do a, a Titans preview too. And so I said, well, I'll stop by there, and then I'll stop by and see Blaine and Mickey because yeah. Team Plane is leaving tomorrow at uh, around noon or a little bit after, so I'm going to be in the air. It's hard to do it from the air. No doubt. All right, I, I got oh, one man, question. With the technology, we can't do it from air? We've got to get to that point. We, we, we get, get a little loud. We could get NORAD to, <laughs> to hook us up. They're tracking Santa right now. All right, I, I teased this question I was going to ask Blaine. I'll ask both of you. Darrington Evans is a guy who we all feel like could contribute great to this team if he's 100% healthy. I'm a Sunbelt guy. I saw him play a lot of football in college. Got got hurt again the other night in the game. I, I hated seeing that just because it would sure be great to just watch this guy run and, and, and be healthy for a while. Can't do anything about it. I mean, he, yeah. that, that was a non-contact injury. Yep. You know, that's, so you can't do anything about it. I mean, that's just that's just bad luck. And so if he's not healthy, then he won't get a chance to be in there because, look, this is the National Football League. I mean, everybody knows this. That guy sitting across from me right now knows this. This is adult football. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got to be you've got to be available to be able to play. And as I said, that was very unfortunate because he was looking nice in the game. He's looked nice at practice the whole time. It was a non-contact injury. I have no idea what it is, but uh, you got to be healthy to be out there. That's all I can say. Yeah. Meanwhile, Makai Sargent was just next guy up. He had a nice game, had a special teams tackle too, which you and I talked about this a minute at practice yesterday. That's what he would do if he made the team. Well, and that's he did how that he's going to have to make the team, Mickey. I don't mean to talk over you, but you and I talked yesterday. You know, when you get, when you're going to be, uh, if you're going to be running back number three. You're going to have to be a core special teamer. And the fact that he ran down and made a nice tackle on the kickoff, that was a plus in his part. No doubt. Coach Mack, the Mack attack right here, surprise version with Blaine and Mickey. <laughs> well, Coach, just, uh, what was your overall view of just the game? And I'm not even just talking about the players, also the refereeing, some of the calls, some of the, it seemed like they were spotting the ball a lot faster, a lot of team strategy to, to kick field goals more often than go forward. Just kind of go through the coaching mindset of what you actually saw, not just the actual players on the, in the game, just the overall view. Okay, first of all, it, uh, structurally, this team wanted to kick field goals because we've got two guys that needed to kick field goals, and they both got to kick it. They both got to kick both from, from medium and from long distance, and they made every one of them. So they wanted to set up those scenarios for them, Blaine, and you're 100% right there. I thought Cleet Blakeman and his, his, his crew did a nice job. They did a nice job because the game started off segmented early with all the offensive penalties from Atlanta, you know, but there's nothing they, that, they can, that they can do about that. You know, and I thought he did a good job with review. I was on to him a little bit about Breon Borders' interception, but when you really looked at it, the nose of that ball did touch the ground. I said, you know, Cleet, give us that call because we fed you all week here at Titans <laughs> practice, you know. But anyway, I, I thought they did a good job with that. But in the preseason, you want to set up scenarios where you want to look at, at certain things. So at sometimes you are going to go for it on fourth down when you when you normally wouldn't, you know, because you just want to – your offense to at least keep the ball. So we saw that from both teams in that game. Uh, for the Titans looked at it, what I like is that the defense particularly played a very physical brand of football. Mm-hmm. And that's what Mike Vrabel, that's what John Robinson preached. Mickey and I have stood together in a lot of these practices up there and watched. That's how they've been practicing, Blaine. You know, I've said every time I've come on the air here that this defense is practicing fast. 
and mm-hmm. and and that group played fast out there, they did. and and they played physical. And I, you know, and that's one and thing they, that stood out. They were on the other line of scrimmage, well, Tart they, and oh, the whole crew up there front, man. Yeah, wow. they played knockback. They played knockback, yeah. and then they played roll call to the ball. I mean, they were going, you know, going at it. I I like to see that. That that to me, the tone and the timber that they set, I really like to see. And I was I was impressed with both quarterbacks. You know, I thought they they handled it. They they, they handled the offense very very well. Uh, I thought that that ball that Woodside threw to Cam Batts in that back shoulder, that's an NFL play. And that's what I said on the broadcast. I told Mike Keith, I said, that's an NFL throw and catch right there. So there were some good things. Mm-hmm. What did you think about all the blitzing? Even uh, you know, even from the Titans side, I was really surprised. I mean, at the same time, that kind of sets the mindset of a defensive uh, player to, to be attacking. But, I, man, in the first preseason game, I was a little surprised on both sides of the ball. The Titans didn't blitz as much as Dean Pease did. Oh, yeah, I, Dean Pease was coming. And I'm going to tell you why one. Dean Pease was coming, because he knew his guys weren't good. Okay? And, 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 I mean, and, 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 and seriously, you know, the, yeah. the, the first, first series, he tried, to play a, he tried to play a seven-man box. Well, they were gashing him. They were gashing him. He knew, okay, these guys can't do this, and so I'm not going to sit here and just get gashed, you know, the whole game because it was it was clear that the the the, the Tennessee Titans were dominating that game on both sides of the line of scrimmage, right. and so Dean, you know, he's a veteran coach. I mean, he said, you know, I'm not going to. I mean, they got beat. I mean, quote beat, but they were getting dominated in the game, and so and he knew his guys weren't good enough to sit there and play base defense. Uh, you know, now Shane Bowen played a lot of base defense. Just let his let his four guys go, or let you know the f- the five guys go. But I, I know what Dean's mindset was. I'm not going to sit here and get gashed all night. So that's why he started bringing heat. Got you. Um, we keep talking about Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, it, he had some nice days in the spring. It's been a little bit more of a grind for him now that camp has started. Didn't see. Much from the passing game at all, as you said, they, they wanted to run the ball, kick field goals. So you could tell they had a specific thing in mind with play calls. But he's had a rough go of it. He had a rough go of it in practice yesterday, especially early on. He's getting beat out by a bunch of journeymen right now. What, As a coach, is his position coach more the guy who pulls him aside? Is it somebody else? I mean, how do you get a guy out of a funk mentally like that? This is adult football, Mickey. Yeah. This is grown man football, Mickey. I mean, you heard what the head coach said. Yep. He got to get better. And they said, what? He got to get better. Yep. So it's up to him now. He's here. Now, whether you're a draft pick or not, I don't care. When when you show up, I mean, Mike Dick had told me when I first showed up as a really young coach, you know, with eight people on the staff, look, I hired you, but let me tell you this. Every day's an interview. And it's the same way with players. And so it's up to him. It's completely up to him. I mean, there's nobody, you know. Rob Moore is probably one of the best receiver coaches going, and he knows what players go through. But sooner or later, you can put your arm around a person, you know, as much as you want, but they got to do it, and they got to do it on a daily basis. It's not be good one day, not good the next. Be good one day, not good the next. Adult football. No longer in college. That's it. Well, and on the flip side of that, a guy like Mason Kinsey goes out, gets two third-down catches, had two more catches in the game besides that. That's a guy who said, I'm going to try to make somebody's team. I'm making somebody's team in this camp, either this one or I'm going to put enough on film to make another team. Yeah, and good for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I said that on the broadcast. Good for him. Good for him. He showed up. He took advantage of his chances. He had about 1,200 people there in the stadium. I mean, he, you know, because he's from down there. <laughs> right. I mean, good for him. So, I mean, I, 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 I root for all of our players. I cheer for all of our players. And knowing what they're going through, and he got a chance, and he made the most of it. Yeah. On with the Mac attack. Coach Mac. All right, well, we're up against the top of the hour here. It was a quick bonus version of Coach Mack this week.
we'll have to ask you like twice as many questions next week to make up for this. It's going to be a fun trip down to Tampa. Well, for everybody who doesn't have to play against the world champs, I don't well, think. That, that, that Taylor one called that, it a bloodbath. That should bath. be the fun of it. Yeah. I mean, that's what you should look forward to. You need to go down there as players and challenge yourself in practice. You know, I mean, that's what you – look. I, eight times, eight, nine times when I've coaching, we've, I've taken, you know, teams with other teams. And this will be two good days of work and two good days of work. And with three, with three preseason games, this will be veterans' work. This is veterans. This is veterans' time down there now, and the young guys. I mean, they they need to buckle up too, Absolutely. because this is going to be very very important. So this is this is going to be a very very productive week. As I said, it's a bonus for me when I get to talk to you guys. Let's get that straight. Absolutely. Appreciate that, Coach Bo- Mack. Bonus Mack bonus attack. Mac attack right? <laughs> from Coach Mack. We'll be back. We got ding dong of the week coming up in the next segment. Who's your ding dong of the week? It's never Coach Mack. We'll get into it. Blaine and Mickey, one zero four five. So. <laughs>